Welcome to Confessions of a Recovering Landlord podcast. I'm your host, Jan Gibbons, and I'm joined, as always, by my partner, Bob Gibbons. Hey. (laughs) I was looking for something a little more masculine, but we'll go with that. (laughs) I recently read a blog post by Don Catalanato. Catalano. Okay. (laughs) That's what you said? Catalano. Catalano. (laughs) On LinkedIn. And it talked all about making your office space your own. And I thought that was probably more applicable now than ever. What with the distributed, split shift, integrated, whatever you want to call it, workforce we now have thanks to your friend, COVID-19. So let's talk about that after the break. Bob, why yes. is it important to talk about how the office reflects the culture of the company? And what is a company's culture anymore anyway? <laughs> <laughs> what it used to be. You know, companies still have culture. It, I think company cultures have shifted dramatically since mid-March in the U.S. But, um, but c- culture still exists because the culture is basically sort of what integrates the company's values and goals. And sometimes those are f- stated very clearly and openly. And, and it's sort of a top down, this is what we want to be. And other times, you know, if, if ownership and management doesn't create a culture and state what they want the culture to be, it gets created anyway. Mm-hmm. It's just organic. And sometimes it's, and really almost all the time, it's a, it's a combination uh, where the two occur. And sometimes you'll see Sometimes where, in spite of each other. Well, exactly. Because sometimes <laughs> you'll see that the owners or management wants to say, all right, we're going to create a vision and a mission statement and all these mm-hmm. stuff, you know, state our corporate values. There will be tassels on your loafers. And if that isn't really consistent with what was really happening in the company, then nobody buys into it. Mm-hmm. It's all for, for naught. It's a waste. Well, and I think COVID is kind of stripping stuff down. It's getting down to who you really are. And in some ways, I kind of like that. In other ways, it's just scary. Well, and, and what you need to be. Um, yeah. You know, it's yeah. also sort of taken away some things where, you know, we didn't really need to be doing that anyway. Or maybe we need to be doing different things. But in, in the context of what we're talking about here is how does the office space reflect your company culture? Um, you know, I guess the most important reason why it's important, uh, if that's a circular statement, people spend a lot of time, a significant amount of their time at the office. And uh, but it's more than just a place to work. I mean, they have friends there. They have relationships there with clients and other people they work with. So, you know, in my when view, you're growing your career. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that it really needs to start with goals and objectives of the company. What does a company want to be? You know, I don't think a company should leave the culture to be something that's organically uh, created by all the collective employees. They need to have some direction for it and buy-in. And so start with the company's goals and objectives. And then the office space should be a reflection of that, but it also should provide a return on investment. You know, if you don't need an office to fulfill the, the goals of the company, why spend the money for that extra overhead? You know, we work from home, for example, and people laugh at that because they say, wait a minute, your business is helping people find office space <laughs> and negotiate to buy or lease office space. And you want the office from home? And I always say, 
exactly because it's not about my office it's about my client's office so it we, doesn't distract we're well, there to go show them space and to visit them in their space yeah it's all about them and their office it's not about my office so um, you know, there's no reason for us to have an office when I'm always doing it in somebody else's location. Well, often and, your office is a Ford F-150. Well, true. But I guess my point is, is that if, unless I can make a business case on why it's going to earn me more money to spend the extra overhead mm -hmm. to have the office, why have the office? So I think that's, that's a, a big thing. So, you know, you need to communicate and build the culture in the office and figure out what makes your company unique. and to the extent you can have that reflected in the office, the better. So, you know, how does the office reflect the uh, or communicate the vision and the mission of the company to employees and customers? And it's, now that's entering the realm of virtual. How do it, they virtually do that? Yeah, it is. Okay, so let's be real. People are just try, trying to stay healthy. How do you create this feeling? Well, you know, I would start with the message that you want communicated. Uh, for example, um, is your company hierarchical or is it more egalitarian? So egalitarian basically just meaning that you value everybody as being equal. And so everybody's going to have sort of an equal office. So, for example, there was a company um, by the name of Trammell Crow Company, and they were famous for having a, re a reception area, some conference rooms, and then just wide open space. And you'd go out, if you went to their space, you'd get off the elevator, you'd walk through their lobby where the receptionist was sitting, and you go through a door. And when you walk through that door, you didn't see a single wall again until you got to the glass at the end of the building. And there was just a sea of desks. And it seemed very weird if you weren't used to that, but that was their, their model. They wanted to show people that everybody was equal and equally valued, but they also wanted to make sure they showed that communication was of utmost experience, uh, um, importance. They wanted to make sure that their employees were openly communicating with each other and had nothing to hide. Even Trammell Crow himself had an open desk just like everybody else did. And so to me, it felt very weird because I'd never been in that situation. Uh, but a friend of mine who I used to work with went to work there. And I asked him, man, does this not drive you crazy? And he's like, oh, no, I love it because I can, you know, somebody says, hey, is Jim in the office? I can look over and I can tell you immediately whether Jim's in the office and whether or not he's on the phone. And, uh, and, you know, I can motion to him to come over if I'm on a call that I need him on. And I mean, he, he really loved it. So, you know, uh, you know, do you have offices on the glass, on the exterior glass for the executives and all the cubes are on the interior? That's more of a hierarchical, um, situation, but sometimes it's just the opposite. Like when you worked at Willis, Willis Towers Watson. So you had all your offices on the interior with glass. And then all the cubes were on the the big glass, the big glass, mm -hmm. the exterior of the building. So it's much like more bright, that. and so it sent a different message. Mm -hmm. They they valued their employees in a different way that, in that situation. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll edit that out. So I think we need to. Somebody should consider what functions need to be conducted in the space as well in determining how they're going to set up the office. For example, do you put the salespeople in closed areas because? They're on the phone selling all the time, so they're loud. Mm -hmm. They feel vulnerable if they're out in the middle in a cube uh, or an open area. Uh, do you group people by departments uh, or by client or by the way the process flows um, in doing the work? 
Uh, what about proximity to parking and and uh, and maybe even what floor in the building you're going to be on? That can make a difference. Uh, I was a, I had a situation when I was back in uh, my days of being a landlord where we had a building in a development area called Las Colinas. And Las Colinas is a giant 12,000-acre master-planned community, and there's a Las Colinas Association. Think of it as a homeowners association that sort of governs everything. It's all within the city of Irving, so you still have to be subject to the city of Irving restrictions and, and policies and codes, but then you also have this overlay of all the, the deed restrictions of the Las Colinas Association. Well, the Las Colinas Association has a pretty big infrastructure of people that work there and inspectors and people that, that are going out all the time into the field to talk to business owners and developers and all that. Well, we were competing to have the Las Colinas Association lease space in our building. And we knew that it was down to only one of two buildings left, our building or one other building. Well, we found out that they did a study and they figured out that based on where the parking lot was in our building compared to the other building and how long it would take somebody to go from that parking lot into the building and up the elevators into their space, they timed how long that would take. And then they just figured out, all right, this is how many work orders we have a day that we process and this is how many inspectors we have. And they realized they were going to have to hire an extra inspector to cover everything they had to do if they went to that other building. Now, that told me I'm done negotiating. I don't have to negotiate anymore because I have the advantage. So that was an example of where the process and the proximity really made a big difference in the way they manage their space. And, and I think employee morale would have been affected by that as well. If they had to spend an inordinate amount of time getting from their trucks to you know, to the office, that would get tedious pretty quickly. And so they ended up coming to our building, which was nice. But also, you might want to just say, what, am I, what do our employees want? And ask them. Um, you know, my friend Stephen Nooner at uh, Assured Partners tells the story about how he had a client who had this giant um, sort of playroom almost for their employees. And they had this huge kitchen with all this free food and they had all these tables and booths and games. They had ping pong and foosball and all these other stuff. And they thought that their employees would just love this thing. And so when Stephen, you know, started helping them with their employee benefits, he ran an employee benefits for them, health insurance, that kind of thing. He took a more holistic view on the employee benefits. And so he said, well, let's do, let's find out what they really think. And so he did a forced rank survey of these employees. And so they listed every single thing that these employees got, health insurance, um, free drinks, free food, you know, the foosball table, free t-shirts, I mean, on and on and on, vacation, every single thing that could potentially be considered a benefit and force them to rank them. They couldn't just check all the ones they liked. They had to say number one, two, three, in order of what they thought was the most important. That giant room actually ended up ranking just below the free t-shirt. <laughs> below? <laughs> below the free t-shirt. <laughs> That's hysterical. It is hysterical, but when you think what about it. What was number it, one? Uh, probably health benefit. Yeah. But I, I don't I don't remember. But, but the thing that was, the point of this was really that they thought that they had to compete with Silicon Valley and all the amenities they were offering their employees, not really taking into account that the employees in Texas didn't, necessarily value the same things and they didn't have to give all those things and so they were spending this enormous amount of money for rent 
uh, on that space that really wasn't getting used a whole lot. And they realized that, hey, we would be better off giving our employees a lower deductible on their health insurance, for example, than to have this giant room that nobody's using to any real extent. So those are all the kinds of things that can go into the feeling and really need to be thought about in a holistic way. Okay, you you kind of touched on this earlier with the Trammell Crow story, but what about an open plan where everyone is on a wide open floor? Are you seeing that much anymore? I mean, COVID's kind of saying on the wide open stuff. Yeah, I mean, you're. I would say it's too early to tell uh, as far as COVID's effect on on that long term. You know, what's interesting is that even before COVID, there were a lot of mixed thoughts on this. There's been a lot of research on the open office and all the research has said, bad idea, that it, it reduces productivity, it even reduces communication, which is sort of counterintuitive, right? You think it's big, open, wide open, you can talk to anybody. But what they found in the research was that people were spending more time with their headphones in because there were so many distractions. That was a way to sort of isolate themselves. So they had their, their headphones in and they were using more electronic communication slack email instant messaging all that kind of stuff and so even though somebody might be close to them they were doing that electronic communication to a larger extent because they were fearful somebody was going to overhear them because we were talking about the person that was standing there (laughs) probably really convenient (laughs) probably while this is not germane to office which is what we specialize in I am loving what I'm seeing happening in restaurants where they're creating space, either, you know, the table beside me is reserved. Well, it's not really reserved. It's just no longer in use. Or people are putting up the plexiglass partitions. I'm loving that stuff. And not for COVID. I mean, that's kind of a side effect. I like it because it's a little more intimate. I'm not sitting under someone's armpit. It's a little quieter. Yeah, it's quieter. Uh, it, it creates your own little party. Yeah. And I just, everywhere I've gone that I've seen that, I've I've liked that. But that's, of course, in the retail realm. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting in the office realm, though, even with all the research saying that the open office is a bad idea, clients still keep asking for it, at least prior to COVID. And, and we would still see companies going from a more office-intensive layout to a less office, more open layout. And... And that's not necessarily bad, especially as people start having a more hybrid kind of workforce mm-hmm. where they're allowed to work from home. Split shift. More split shifts, et cetera. So, you know, I, and I, and there's ways to do it well where you do provide places for them to go have a private conversation. You know, our son works in a, uh, a co-working place, but he spends a lot of his time in a pod, he calls it, mm-hmm. which is a fully enclosed um Office. Table, if you will. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, it's really more a table that you could put four people around, but it's enclosed because he's on sales. Or skinny people. He's doing uh, he's doing demos of software mm-hmm. as a service all the time, so it makes sense for him. But you know, other things that need to be taken into account. Of course, we we talked about noise levels and distractions and uh, providing options for that. But you know, are you more collaborative or need quiet to focus for intensive tasks? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really where. Again, it's not one size fits all, and it's not even within the same company. Within the same company, people need to get away from the idea that your seniority or how high you are up on the food chain in the company di- dictates what kind of a 
um, office arrangement you have. And, you know, if you're a peon, you're in a cube. And if you're, you know, the big schmuck, you get an office. And if you're the really big schmuck, schmuck, well, she gets the corner office. Mm -hmm. You know, that really needs to go away and it needs to be more uh, based on the function. And so function and temperament. Yeah. Oh, good point. When I was at Willis, there was a guy there that we all considered kind of a bad word. (laughs) And one day I was really stuck on an Excel spreadsheet and they said, well, go ask bad word. And so I go over and he has an office and, you know, it's glass on one side, the way Willis had set it up. But I walk in there and I'm like, can I bother you for a couple of minutes? And he like came alive. Well, talking his language. Yeah. He lived in that world and he needed an office. He didn't interact well. He didn't play well in the sandbox. But if you need him and he'd follow up with me, how's that working? And I'm like, who are you? But he thrived in that environment. And so I think it's esoteric to their personality and yep. their job function. Good, good point. Okay. So what if wellness and health are a part of your company's core values? That's funny that we even have that as a question because it's forced now. It has to be a part of your core value. You, Whether you mean it or not, you have to show that I care about you. And, you know, just like I was hearing this morning how school is going to be Zoom or in person, whatever you need. Yeah. Because what if I have a robust 12-year-old boy that needs to be in a classroom with some structure or I have um, an asthmatic 11-year-old who, you know, barely gets out in the light of day? You've got to make these accommodations for people who are more susceptible. And speaking of school, if you're a truant officer, I guess you're pretty much out of (laughs) – you need to be retrained for something else now because there's no no such thing as truancy anymore. Well, you're now wearing a blue vest going, how can I help you? (laughs) Welcome to Walmart. (laughs) Well, I think if wellness and health are part of your corporate values, um, I think the reality is is that those things are going to be included as part of the corporate values, whether they're included proactively or not mentioned at all. And people are going to notice that. And people already take take that into account when they're choosing, do I go work here or there? based on the health benefits. I mean, that's a huge, huge part of a lot of people we know. And when we, we have a friend who works at a grocery store because of the benefits that it provides his family. Well, I'm also seeing it when I go into places. A lot of places have a huge tub of hand sanitizer right at the beginning. You're more than welcome to avail yourself of it. I mean, when I start to see those things already set up, you just have a little bit better feel about the place. Well, they, and they care about me. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think we're seeing that in office design as well now, not just for the individual company, but also from the, the owner of the property. Oh, yeah. Uh, so like there's a Hall Park in Frisco. Well, they have a ton of amenities in that project, not an individual building, but on the campus. They have quiet rooms, meditation rooms, um, their fitness centers, um, they have lots of trails you can walk through. Um, another one, Granite Park, which is just south of that, has really nice outdoor tenant lounges, they call it. I think that's going to become more crucial as stuff goes on because of the way COVID is spread. And Yeah, I mean, they have really nice indoor tenant lounges as well with Wi-Fi and great places to sit around. They call it the, the, the building living room. But <laughs> then they have a lot of glass and then they have an outdoor version of that as well. And it's, it's really good. I mean, on a nice day, I, I actually was between meetings one day and I used their outdoor space sitting under a, 
under a umbrella in a beautiful area. And I mean, it was really nice. I mean, it was 75 degrees and uh, it was, it was great. So, you know, whether a company provides those things themselves or whether they rely on their, their developer uh, landlord with the amenities that are available, all those things come into play and, and reflecting the company's values as reflected by the, the office that they choose. Well, and to further flesh out what you were talking about with like outdoor spaces, we're starting to see in new construction in the in the wake of COVID, extra ventilation, HEPA filters, touchless surfaces, et cetera, are all now on the drafting table. Without a doubt. And we're even seeing uh, buildings that are existing trying to sort of retrofit with mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff. And in fact, every time a building sells, the new owner that that's the point at which you are more, most likely to see a lot of new amenities and new um, renovations. They'll upgrade the elevator systems. They'll upgrade the HVAC systems, put in the HEPA filters, add amenities. We've, we've seen, um, in fact, we have a client at a property called the, the Campus at Legacy in Plano, uh, Texas, just north of Dallas. And they've been in the building now for, I want to say, maybe 12 or 13 years and we showed another client the same property. It's a three-building development. And they now have a fitness center that they didn't have before, new food service options that they didn't have before. Um, just it's, it's really nice. And what, the other thing that was cool on the food service, you know, a lot of small buildings that aren't big enough to have a deli will have a, um, like a food delivery service, like Foodsby, they'll call it, or there's the Fuda. There's a few different names. And... Uh, and so they'll circulate a uh, a menu for the day to their their tenants, and then the tenants, you know, send in their order, and then it all gets delivered at a certain time. So it's a way to provide the semblance of having a deli in a building that doesn't actually have one because it's not big enough. Well, this building has a combination, so they do have a um, a deli where they have a fixed menu, but then they also have sort of the foodsby type concept of a revolving menu. So if you want something and, and they get them from other, from restaurants. So they might be getting a delivery one day from, uh, you know, Chewy's and Maggiano's the next day. And some, and I just thought it was a really interesting hybrid. DoorDash for commercial. Yeah, kind of, but in a better way, because uh, it's, it's, it's not just boxed and sitting there waiting for you. It's, it's sitting there under heat lamps in a sort of a food specific area made for preparing food. And so it's going to be better quality by the time it actually hits your desk and you're ready to eat it. And I just thought it was a very interesting hybrid the way they did that. So some organizations may still want a more traditional business culture with the dark wood features and stone and libraries and motivational posters on the walls. (laughs) The flying eagle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, banks are a good example of that. I mean, financial institutions, they kind of have the idea that that kind of a decor sends a message of permanence, permanence and safety to their customers. You know, the giant columns on the front of bank buildings, all that kind of stuff uh, sends that message. And, and so some people want that not just for their customers, but also for their employees. So what are some other things that impact culture in the office? Um, you know, there's a ton of them. I mean, choice of background music. What, what kind of music are you playing in the office, if you have any at all? Leonard or, Skinner. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's my personal key. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we know what the Riata corporate culture is. 
Well, also art, you know, is the art sort of very edgy, modern art or whimsical um, sculptures or is there motivational posters you mentioned? We actually have a client who is a sculptor. And, uh, and so when you walk into his office, it's really cool because he has uh, dyslexia and, um, and he has a foundation, a, a nonprofit for helping kids with dyslexia. So a lot of his art is all about the dys- dyslexic um, journey in life because he grew up in that situation. And so it's very interesting. He has this art piece sitting in his lobby where it's all these books that are inside the sculpture but inside the sculpture in a way that you can't get to the book. Oh, wow. You can't open the book. And that must it's have such been so a, frustrating for him. Oh, but it's such a cool, uh, yeah. cool thing. And uh, way to express what he went through. Shout out to Eric McGarity, a globe runner. I mean, what a, what a cool thing. And so he has a lot of art related to that. So that really communicates not only um, corporate values, but his personal values mm-hmm. and his personal um, journey. Journey. Cause I mean, he's a, a, a professional sculptor. I mean, he has, art installations in, in uh, municipalities around the area. So those are some ways, uh, you know, your co- corporate logo uh, and how it's displayed can send a message. Um, you know, the furniture, is it 20-year-old, you know, dark stuff that is musty or is it modern and light? I mean, that makes an enormous difference in an open concept mm-hmm. for sure. And, um, you know, and it, you know, maybe you even have your art and your company furniture uh, and the company cult colors. Maybe that is sort of a way to sort of have some continuity. So how does all this change with COVID? I mean, a lot of people are officing from home, some in the office, some people are in split shifts, a lot of Zoom calling. How do we incorporate this feel in such a very disparate environment? Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. And and I would say, you know, COVID has been a major disruptor, disruptor, and, and I got to say, it's probably been one of the greatest disruptor in my career. I mean, I would say the internet is probably a bigger disruptor, and thank God that it came before COVID, because if we had COVID right. before the internet was really up to speed, and and the um, the uh, data chains or I'm not fiber optics and that kind of thing, so we really had high speed internet. If that hadn't been here, that would have made COVID so much more devastating. Mm-hmm. But um, so it's been an, an amazing disruptor and in ways that we hadn't even expected and, and probably haven't even thought. But, you know, the office is no different. The, I would say it's a perfect time to reassess and reevaluate whether you have an office at all. And a lot of clients are doing that. We have subleases on the market that we've talked about because clients have decided that they're going to go ahead and have a distributed workforce and let people work from home as much as they want and or totally. And, um, and so I think if you're going to reassess all of that, you need to reassess how you do it. I've heard of one company that has, uh, bought all new, um, computers, sort of the whole office set up for every one of their employees and sent it out. This was a law firm. Send it out where? To their to, homes? To their homes. Oh, wow. So every employee got a brand new computer that was already set up with the, the software they needed and was already connected to their servers and all that. So they were ready to go. I mean, that sent an amazing message to that, all those people that number one, they were able to respond that quickly. Number two, that they were willing to spend that money. Uh, Three that, you know, I don't, we, I didn't go into enough detail with the the guy that was telling me this, who works for that law firm to, to know the answer. But I got to think that those people thought they value me so much because 
here I am at home, working from home, fearful now for my job, and now a brand new beautiful laptop mm-hmm. computer shows up. Well, and it creates a sense of belonging, right? I would think because if I slack somebody or I I am or I call them and I say, hey, when you open this tab, does yours do that? Because I know they have the exact same thing I have. Well, and if you're going to do that, you need to brand it. So like, for example, Mm -hmm. we bought a new CRM uh, several months ago before COVID even started. When we did that, we we branded it. So it, you know, it's it's built on the Salesforce Salesforce platform, and it's called Ascendix RE. It's specific to commercial real estate. But when you log on, and when our agents log on, in the top left corner, they see the Riata logo and the Riata name. And I uploaded our party pictures too. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that kind of thing in COVID is going to be important. That mm-hmm. you still have little things that still connect you back to the company and the sense of belonging you're part of something mm-hmm. and i think you still need to have i mean even for example your um your zoom the way you zoom you know maybe you send out a uh, like christy in our office she created a background which was a picture from our prior website uh which is a photo of downtown dallas with the company name mm-hmm. in that so when she's on a call she puts that as her virtual background and yeah. she you know, send it to me so I could use it as well. So now anybody that wants to can sort of brand themselves on a call as Riata, whether it's internally or with other people. So I think all those things are, are really cool. The, the one thing that's interesting though, is that, you know, I'm uh, one of our clients did a survey with their employees recently and they were evaluating, all right, are we going to let people work from home? If so, how much um, do they want to, if they do want to, to what extent, et cetera. And so they did this survey and, and they sent me a copy of it. And it, I thought it was a very interesting survey because uh, they asked maybe 12 or 15 questions. You know, do you have any interest in working from, from home permanently? If so, how many days a week would you like to do that? Um, if you, if we keep an office, at, uh, an office, what should that have? Do you want to have an office? Uh, you know, do you want to have a desk in that office? If so, should that be a dedicated desk or a hot desk that we can share? Um, if we do have it, do you feel like you'd be comfortable with a cube with high walls, a cube with low walls, a cube with, I mean, a, a desk with no walls, or do you want to have a private office? Anyway, all these kinds of questions. And I was reviewing the, the results, and they're not a giant company, maybe a dozen employees. And what was really interesting about the results was, and I was talking to the to the owners and, uh, and kind of assessing it. and I said, so basically my takeaway from looking at the results was that, number one, there was a wide range of opinions. Some people wanted to come to the office one day a week, two days a week, every single day of the week option, they had somebody who wanted to do that. Even if it was only one person or two people, everybody picked at least one, two, three, four, or five days a week. Somebody said, I don't want to come in at all. Somebody said, I want to move to another country and and work from there. It was everything across the board you can imagine. Same thing with op- options for the office type, um, but they all wanted to dedicate a desk. So they wanted to be able to basically work from home as much as they want from anywhere, but they also wanted the company to provide a dedicated desk to them so they know exactly where they're going to be if they come in. So that was the one commonality of everything, was everybody wanted a dedicated desk. Um I wouldn't say everybody, but the the vast majority did. Whether they didn't necessarily want the same kind of desk configuration, but they all wanted a dedicated desk, pretty much. So and how does it? How does 
how did they utilize this information if it was all over the board? It doesn't sound like there was any consensus except for the dedicated desk. Well, and that actually that's, that is even the fact that people said, I want to come in one day a week or five days a week or from another country, you know, that was all over the board as well. So my recommendation to the client, they're still trying to figure out what they do with this information, but my recommendation was, all right, maybe you have a limited number of dedicated desks and those are available on a first come first serve basis to whoever says they really want to commit to coming into the office on a regular basis. And they have to come in whatever number you choose, four or five days a week, three days a week, whatever. And you monitor that. And basically anybody who doesn't have a hot, a, a dedicated desk, then you have a limited number of hot desks where they can just sort of cycle through them and whoever, you know, if it's available when you come in it's available, if not, you know, you go, you know, the conference room if it's not being used or whatever. Um, and then if somebody who has a dedicated desk is not actually using it on a consistent basis, then it gets up for grabs. And again, it's first come first serve, but only to the person who's going to commit to being, to using it. And, and then it kind of becomes a hot commodity that people are wanting and maybe they put themselves on a waiting list for it. I don't know, but ultimately business owners cannot have dedicated desks for people who have the option to come in anytime they want or not at all. Yeah. They can't cover their nuts. It's just too much of an expense. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, they have to make it flexible. So either the employee has to commit or they have to be willing to have the flexibility. You, you can't have it both ways is my view on it. Um, Maybe this will work itself out over time. And it's, again, it's not going to be the same for every single company. But in that particular case, I thought it was a very interesting uh, survey and, and survey story. Yeah. So that's it for another episode of the Confessions of a Recovering Landlord podcast. As always, we'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Riata Commercial Realty, which, of course, is us. We exclusively serve companies that lease or purchase office space. We never represent landlords. Find us at texastenantrep.com or give us a call at 972-667-0028. And you know what? If you don't mind, we'd love to have you subscribe and uh, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review if you like, and that way it'll help other people find us. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Bye. Oh, thank you.